And we're live. We were talking a lot about wigs off air and thought we might as well just bring it to you it was guys. Wig this content. Is, this is wig talk. <laughs> no, but actually, this is the Spooky Succubus cast with Abby and Rebecca, and we are an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, uh, intersectional feminist podcast about horror movies, and we're doing a big boy this week. It's a heavy hitter that I um I didn't do enough research for. I'm just gonna throw that out there. So, it's fine. I I mean, <laughs> what is there to really dissect here? Like, it's I don't think it's that deep, you know? No. I do like this movie a lot. Like, even, it's like a, I can, I hesitate to even call it a scary movie, though. It's more of, like, a drama. It's like a, a therapist drama. Not gonna lie, as a first-time viewer, kind of a snooze fest. I, when this came out, I was eight. And I saw it when it came out. I think we probably all saw it in the theaters because my mother and my sister are obsessed with M. Night Shyamalan. They're like, they're stands. I don't, I don't agree, but I still, this, I like this movie. You're not going to like this, Annie, but we're going to do it. Oh, did we say we're doing the sixth Oh sense? yeah, the sixth sense. Whoops. Uh, we said M. Night I have Shyamalan. a hard time pronouncing it. The sixth sense. Sixth sense. Not the fourth, not the fifth, but the sixth. Our- and yeah. It's kind of a snoozer. Um, <laughs> pretty bad depictions of women across the board. Uh, I There's barely any depictions of women. But it's like, I, I know you didn't see it at the time, but it's hard to articulate. Like, the 90s, like, horror movies and, like, marketed as horror movies in the 90s. Like, there wasn't always a big twist at the end. And this def- this changed the landscape this was of a big horror twist. movies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I feel like that's the same way I feel about Blair Witch, which is that I saw it 20 years later and I was like, this is really bad. But (laughs) I just missed the boat, you guys. You just weren't there at the time. It was, yeah, tragic. It's tragic. You You know where I was? At church. I was at youth group. (laughs) Youth group. Oh, God. Thank God I never had to do that. I actually am just triggered by even saying those two words strung together. So let's move on, I guess. Uh, so I think I'm I'm the reader today. You're the reader because I didn't write the plot. So I just wrote down exclamation point sentences that I'll dart in here and there as you're reading. I so I'm kind of stupid. So as I was watching the movie, I knew the color red like meant something, but I didn't understand what. So I had it's to look it up. Supposed to be like when there's a when there's a they presence cross over, of, yeah. yeah, or yeah, when someone's when a ghost is angry, that's when it's cold. That's what I. But that doesn't always track. Like that's allegedly what happens, but it doesn't always. Yeah, suddenly, freaking three quarters of the way through the movie, we're seeing our breath, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Hold the phone. This is, this has not been established. Yeah. Okay. So we fade in on a bare light bulb in a basement, and we see a woman in an evening dress come down the stairs and look for a bottle of wine. She selects one and then looks nervous and shivers. Rich people. Am I right? They've got wine cellars and ugly snake print dresses. Come on. Girl, their house is super ugly for people so wealthy. <laughs> I really liked uh, the snare house. Lynn's house. Yeah, Lynn's house with that like Florida Lee 
imprint on the wall. It was so good. I know they were like trying to make it like, oh, she's poor. So it's outdated and their house isn't as nice. And um, I was they like, live oh, on what? a beautiful like, street. That street is gorgeous. It's like nicer what? than any house I'll ever live in. <laughs> yeah, for real. I was like, when they opened up, uh, we'll get to it, I guess. But I was like, is this supposed to be a poor neighborhood? Like, yeah, this, this is she's beautiful. like, Shh. She's, like, doing laundry, and she wears red nail polish, so you're like, oh, she's white trash, right? <laughs> I was like, what? I'm confused, yeah. but we'll get into it. Upstairs, the woman, Anna, reads from an award that her husband, child psychologist Malcolm Crow, has just received. She says it's an important night for them and that he has a gift with children. They head upstairs and notice that someone has broken into their house, and they hear noises coming from the bathroom. They see a thin, sick-looking man in his underwear, Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg alert. Oh, my God. Alert. Gross. Be on high alert. He lost yeah. 43 pounds to play this this one scene role. He It's probably it worth it, it's Donnie? the best performance he's ever given to date. Like, this is yeah, because you can barely tell it's him. He's like, there's like a lot of spit. There's a nipple ring involved. It's wild. I actually missed the nipple <gasps> ring completely. Oh, my God. I don't know what I was looking at exactly. You're trying to avert to your you. eyes from a skinny Donnie Wahlberg in underwear I guess spitting. I also, because I am a first-time viewer and I know this movie is about ghosts, I was like, is he a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Bum, bum, bum. Honest question. Okay. So the man says they don't know... Huh? <laughs> what? The man says oh, Donnie oh, the Wahlberg. Man says they don't, the, Donnie Wahlberg says they don't know a lot of things, and he asks Anna if she knows why she's afraid when she's alone. Uh, he says he was one of Malcolm's patients and that he wanted what Malcolm promised him. He realizes that the patient is Vincent Gray, a child that suffered from hallucinations uh, and possible schizophrenia. And Vincent says that Malcolm failed him and then he shoots Malcolm in the stomach and then he shoots himself in the head. The Chiron then reads the next fall, South Philadelphia, and we see Malcolm looking over Vincent's file as he waits outside the house of Cole Sear, a nine-year-old boy who is poor but lives in a really in a beautiful nice house. I was gonna go into the South Philadelphia, born and raised. I was gonna do the whole thing, but you know what? We'll we go. could do the whole thing, but we don't need to do it. Okay, I need to. <laughs> I it's <laughs> it's ingrained in my. Are you gonna feel incomplete no, if won't. you aren't able it's to fine. finish it? I have a different type of OCD, but <laughs> but still, you know, <laughs> it's there. It's like disordered brain, just to confirm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cole hurries away from the house and then Malcolm follows him and sees Cole enter a church where Malcolm finds him speaking Latin to himself. Creepy kids speaking Latin in a church. It's a no for me. Creepy grown. Are we going to give the spoiler away? Grown man is stalking I mean, a child. That's all I have to say. Grown man. And you're not a doctor anymore because you're dead. Bum, bum, bum. It's a twist. It's a I mean, I already knew. Adam was like, how did you know the twist? I was like. Because of society. Because like, everyone knows. Everybody knows it, you know? It's just like I've never seen Star Wars and I will never see it on principle. I just, I, it's it's past, I've gone past the time where I would give a it's shit anymore. It's too late for it's you. It's too late for me. But you I know, know I mean, that I... Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Like I know that right. just because I live in the, it's part of the zeitgeist, right? So. Yeah. I will say I watched Star Wars for the first time when I was like 22. 
Uh, and we missed the boat. Like, we missed the wave. It's, I don't care. I don't get it. Like, I, I mean, I guess there are some sexy daddies in there. Like, Obi-Wan is definitely, like, a sexy daddy. Um, Harrison I mean, Ford. I mean, hello. Harrison Ford. Yeah, but Chewbacca. <laughs> but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, no, it just doesn't, it's too late. It's over for us. Yeah, I don't, it's just not for me. I'm a different kind of nerd, I think, you know? I don't know. I mean, same thing I feel about, you know? It's just like geek culture is like really mainstream now. And so, you know, I got, I hate liking things that other people like. So I'm like, I'm not going to watch Marvel movies. I'm not going to watch Star Wars because everyone else is doing that, so... The Marvel movies are just too long, and as soon as there's a fight scene, I just check my phone. I, like, start scrolling Instagram. I get so bored as soon as there's some kind of, like, epic battle scene. Uh, I watched Black Panther because, like, it was, like, an important cultural moment, right? And it was well made. um, And I, like, really like Michael B. Jordan. But I was, yeah, like, I was like, okay, this is. I, this is clearly not for me. Like, I'm not enjoying this because I'm not 11. I don't know. Or I wasn't yeah. 11 when I saw superhero movies and fell in love with them, and now it's, like, part of, like, me conjuring up right. my nostalgic childhood. But so I think I, I only know. like horror movies and Bravo, as I've previously established. I like horror movies. I like romantic comedies and 90s sitcoms and dra- dramatic TV shows. That's that's where my nerddom lies, is like in me watching Charmed, because I want to. I fucking love Charmed. And Felicity. I fucking love Felicity, and I'll watch it on repeat for as long as I live, and no one can stop me, so... I will say I did go back and watch the dancing baby scene from Felicity. That's and, Allie uh, McBeal. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Allie McBeal. And um, wow. just to clarify, <laughs> it still makes no sense. It's still not okay. I was and very disturbing. too young to like even remotely understand what was happening in Allie McBeal. So I never watched it. I was like bored. I didn't watch Felicity. I was obviously into Roswell, as you know, big Dawson's Creek fan, which if you guys um, think that you should go back and watch Dawson's Creek because it'll be really good. I tried it. I tried to do it. it. I wanted to skip ahead to where Joey and Pacey get together because that's the only that's the only like bearable seasons because Dawson is so annoying. I'm sorry, James Vanderbeek, but he's the worst character. We have nothing good to say about James Vanderbeek on this podcast. Mm, he was in in bad hair, and uh, it was bad. Uh, I guess the only other place I can think of him from was Varsity Blues, but I I've mean that's also <laughs> speaking of not for me. <laughs> sports <laughs> that movies, is not my wheelhouse. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I get really bored in sports movies. Uh, yeah, my sister loves sports movies, so. I don't understand why. Like, we're not... She... Like, she... Her and my dad used to watch, like, basketball and, and, like, soccer together. But we weren't, like, a big... The first time I went... Started going to, like, sporting events was when I met Caesar Because he's a big sporty... Yeah. He's manly, sporty guy. But she loves sports movies. Name something more boring than a movie about baseball. Oh, God. The only sports movies I can watch are, like, Mighty Ducks and I, Tanya. Oh, I guess... That's all I want to watch. I guess... The Sandlot is about um, baseball, which I loved. But you know what? Thinking back, no. there's probably bad stuff in there. We don't want to revisit. Don't go back. I don't. I never watched The Sandlot. I don't know why. I don't Onward know and upward. It. And bring it on. 
That's about true. Bring it on. I love that movie. Great sports movie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's get back to this drama. Horde drama. So we're... <laughs> so, horde drama. Uh, so we're in the church um, with the Latin child. Um, Malcolm introduces himself and Cole... Uh, tells Cole how people used to hide from bad people in churches. Uh, Cole leaves, and then he asks Malcolm if he'll see him again. There's a lot of other dialogue, but I just didn't think it was worth writing down. It's so not that sorry. important. It doesn't come back to anything. Later, Malcolm comes home and sees that Anna has eaten and gone to sleep without him because he's dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because she lives to- alone. <laughs> she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he tries to go to the basement, but the door is locked, but he eventually opens it. He pulls out a Latin dictionary to translate Cole's words from earlier, which mean, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. It's which, dark. Why? That is dark. Yeah, Cole isn't well. Like, he's, even though, like, purportedly Malcolm sort of fixes him at the end, he still bears a lot of emotional trauma. So, so... this is my problem, right, is that Tony Collette, playing Lynn, sees that her child is going through very traumatic events that she doesn't fully understand because Cole won't share them with her because she has proven not to trust him when he's telling her the truth. And so he, we think the whole time in the movie that he's seeing a therapist when in reality he is not. Like, if there was not a therapist ghost, he would continue having all of these traumatic experiences, not understanding them, getting farther and farther away from his mother. Like, it's like, Okay, so what if this ghost therapist didn't come along? Like, you just would yeah, never get cold the point. help he needs? I hate to admonish Lynn because I, she's the hero of the movie. Right. But yeah, you don't know. I guess she didn't know her child was seeing a ghost therapist. So, so she's just like, this child is like taking buses alone. He's going into churches by himself. He's like, he's been attacked. He has scratches on him. And she doesn't, t- when the doctors like bring up these marks to her she's like i'm a good mom what are you talking about and then never investigates farther it's really poor shaming is what it is it is poor shaming uh, because she has two jobs so she can't be she has two jobs and who's taking this dog out poor sebastian sebastian the dog so cute sebastian's like three months old he's gonna just be peeing peeing all over the laundry (laughs) so back at home cole is with his mother lynn the aforementioned Tony Collette. Uh, she leaves him alone in the kitchen, and when she comes back, every drawer and cabinet is open. Uh, Cole leaves to go to school, and when uh, he goes, Lynn sees an adult handprint on the table next to where he was sitting. Cole dislikes school. He doesn't have friends. Um, and when he returns home, his mother is sitting with Malcolm. They play a mind-reading game where Malcolm takes guesses on Cole's feelings and is accurate about some of his feelings about the divorce, but in the long run doesn't really understand what's going on with him. He does guess that Cole has a secret, and Cole says Malcolm is nice, but he can't help him. Poor kid. Malcolm, man. Yeah, he's like unwell. This is not... I mean... Cole is basically a superhero, right? Like, this is a sort of a superhero narrative. He has, like, this extra sixth sense ability. It's really not a cute phrase to say. Uh, but he has no one to, like, help him or guide him. So he's just, like, sad and depressed and scared all the time. Poor Bibbe. Poor Bibbe. 
Malcolm meets Anna at a restaurant and apologizes for being late. He says he had a difficult session and tells her about Cole and the scratches he noticed on him. Anna gets the check without speaking to Malcolm because she's having dinner by herself (laughs) and and leaves. And she says, happy anniversary as she gets up and leaves. Uh, uh, Malcolm and Cole are walking together in Philadelphia and Cole says that he's a freak and he tries to hide it. Back at Cole's house, Lynn is doing chores and turns the thermostat up because she's cold. Uh, In a photograph of Cole, she notices a bright light next to him and then sees the same flash in the other photographs, which, like, how long has those photographs been up there? Right. I know that photos were different back then. You couldn't, like, instantly look at them. You had to go to Walgreens and get them printed out. I mean, these are framed. But they're framed. I have to assume they've been there. She looked at the proofs, got them printed, framed them, hung them on the wall, and is just now, 11 years later, realizing that there's little swoops and ghosts around her child in every photo. Uh, what? I mean, Lynn, we hate to do it to you, but, but uh, pay girl. attention, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Malcolm asks Cole about his father, and Malcolm tells Cole about free association writing in a voiceover as we see Lynn discovering upsetting pages of Cole's writing on his desk. When Malcolm asks, Cole says he wrote upset words and he doesn't want to be scared anymore. At home, Malcolm hears Anna answer the door to a man asking her out, out, uh, but she declines. Back at school, Cole is being asked a question by Mr. Cunningham, the teacher, about the building that they're in. And Cole says they used to hang people there. The teacher says the building was a courthouse where lawmakers worked. And Cole says they were the ones that hanged the people. Cole's really got his finger on the pulse here. I mean, yeah. not a lot has changed. I'm confused, Cole yells about his abilities again. Because, like, we've only seen ghosts so far. Just, like, one ghost who can tell him a story, right? But he's, like, painting a picture of a scene. So can he see flashbacks from the past? Because he's like, those are the people who hang people. They would kiss their families goodbye. He saw the hanging people, but the hanging people were fully hanged. So, And he hasn't started talking to ghosts yet, like, except for Malcolm. Like, he's the only ghost that he's really been, like, felt safe enough to communicate with. Yes. Yeah, so is he just seeing full flashbacks? Yeah. That's my question. M. Night, holes. explain yourself. There's plot holes. What? Bubba. You know what's a good movie? Holes. I remember when uh, they put out, like, the album. I'm pretty sure I bought it for, like, because all the kids recorded, like, Diggin'. I don't remember the song. But it was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Diggin'. I don't know. Uh, we should do a video of the Sixth Sense, like, sh- shots with that song over it. <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Plot holes. Just because. And then people will be like, what the fuck are they doing? And maybe it'll be so weird that they'll we'll actually come listen to the, to the episode, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Or they'll be like, they're crazy. Done. Um, so, uh, oh, yeah. So he yells at the teacher and calls him Stuttering Stanley. Uh, until So I guess someone dead connected to Mr. Cunningham is just like hanging around uh, until the teacher slams a fist down on his desk and calls him a freak. Malcolm finds Cole, who doesn't want to talk to him. He goes home and then Malcolm walks into... Uh, Anna and his wedding video playing on the TV. 
Anna's showering upstairs where Malcolm finds her and notices a Zoloft prescription, which is demonization of mental health. Because like, it seems like it's the worst fucking thing he could have found. You're a like, therapist. Like, she's that Zoloft isn't doing enough for her. Like, she's not she's not dealing well with the grief of having lost you know what? her husband. Zoloft is not my favorite SSRI, if I'm being honest with you. It kind of just makes me slower and sadder. Hmm. TBH. So it's also doing the same for poor Anna. Yeah. Because she still Anna. like won't do anything and is only watching old wedding videos of her late husband. So grief. He's dead, by the way. He's dead. <laughs> Cole is at a birthday party avoiding the other kids and he sees a red balloon float up the stairs and he follows it. He hears a man talking, begging for him to open the door to this sort of like little hatch. Uh, and saying he didn't take the master's horse. Two horrible kids follow him up the stairs and lock him behind the door where he heard the voice coming from. Cole screams and cries out, and Lynn downstairs finally realizes where he is but can't get the door open. It finally opens, and Lynn pulls out a traumatized Cole. All the at other the hospital, parents are just standing there. Like, she can't they're get just the staring. door open. Like, it's like her child is trapped inside. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to know there's a ghost. Like, there's a kid trapped behind a door. Like, you don't and give a, a shit. Yeah. Like, what? And, like, You're where is the people. homeowner? Yeah. 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 Tommy Tomasino's mom. Fuck you. Hilarious name, though. The doctor at the hospital indicates that it wasn't a seizure, but Cole has cuts and bruises that they need to tap a social worker to ask about. Lynn says something happened to him physically and demands to know what it was, but they can't answer her. Malcolm checks on Cole in the hospital bed, and Cole asks Malcolm to tell him why he's sad. Malcolm tells him about Vincent and how he made a mistake and how he wants to help Cole because it will be like helping Vincent too. Pretty unprofessional thing to tell a patient, Honestly. considering he thinks he's still a therapist, not a ghost. I think that Cole has known the whole time that he's a ghost. Yeah, I thought that was the point. Yeah. But that Malcolm still thinks that he's a therapist. Yeah, Malcolm yeah, okay, still thinks a... he's a therapist. He doesn't know he's just a ghost now. He's not he's a very being good very unprofessional. therapist. Yeah. And he's never treating Cole with his uh, parental guardian. Present, like excuse unethical. Me? There's, it's a grown Very man unethical. stalking a child. Grown ghost man. Strange. Yeah, we're rescinding your award. You're no longer a son of Philadelphia. Suspect. Cole says he wants to tell Malcolm his secret, and he says that he sees dead people while he's awake, walking around like regular people. I don't know if you guys remember this line. It's kind of obscure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they don't know they're dead. They don't see each other, they only see what they want to see, and they don't know they're dead. He sees them all the time, and they're everywhere. Malcolm believes Cole is suffering from hallucinations and schizophrenia. At home, when Lynn is putting Cole to bed, she notices scratch marks and gouges in his sweater and also uh, scratches on his back. Later, Cole wakes up to go to the bathroom, and the temperature on the thermostat drops. As he pees, a figure walks down the hallway behind him, uh, and in the kitchen, the ghost of an abused woman who slit her wrists yells at him, and he runs. At the school, Malcolm is walking with Cole when Cole sees the ghosts of three hanging people, as aforementioned. Mm -hmm. He tries to explain to Malcolm what it feels like to see the ghosts, and he asks Malcolm to make them leave. 
Lynn and Cole are having dinner and she asks him why he keeps moving her mother's bumblebee pendant, but he claims he didn't. She asks him to be honest, but he says he didn't do it and she tells him to leave the table. In the hallway, Cole sees a 70s ghost uh, and asks to sleep in Lynn's bed. That, like, let's go find my dad's shotgun. That was like the scariest part, I think. Because it's like a duh. It's like the sound that when he turns his head. And little Sebastian it was is, scary. is hiding because he's scared. Oh, dogs know. I actually like worry that there's a ghost in my house because there's like a corner that my cats and dogs stare at. So <laughs> I'm fine. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Bartleby just like he'll lift his head sometimes and just like follow nothingness. I'm like, I hope there's a gnat because please don't just look at the air at nothing. I mean, you can cohabitate with ghosts, right? I don't want to. They're probably in here. But I'm just saying you can. Okay, Anna is at work at a store I think that she owns. It seems like an antique an antique jewelry store. Uh, she has a moment with Sean, who is the guy that works for her that also stopped by the house earlier. They hear glass break, but no one is there, and it cuts to Malcolm walking away. Uh, Malcolm tells Cole that he can't be his doctor anymore and he needs to focus on Anna and his own family, which is something I think you would tell the parent of the schizophrenic child that you're treating, but okay. And not the kid himself, but he can't talk to anyone else. He's, he's dead a to confirm. Yeah. At home, he remembers Vincent asking Anna if she knows why she's afraid when she is alone and listens to an old audio tape of one of Vincent's sessions where he hears a voice speaking in Spanish on the tape and realizes Cole was telling the truth. He finds Cole and asks Cole what the, he thinks the ghosts want when they want to talk to him. Cole says they just want help and Malcolm says they should listen to them and maybe they will go away. Cole wakes up in his tent to the sound of Lynn having a nightmare and goes to comfort her. When he gets back to his pillow fort, uh, he can see his breath and he's visited by a vomiting ghost girl. Played by uh, Misha Barton. Initially, Misha Barton alert. Uh, but he's initially scared but goes back to her and asks if she wants to tell him something. Later, Malcolm and Cole go to the girl's funeral. She was sick for two years and her younger sister is also falling ill. Cole goes into her room where the ghost girl reaches out from under the bed to give him a box. Downstairs, Cole gives the box to Kira's father and says that she wanted to tell him something. The box holds a videotape of Kira doing a marionette show at the beginning, but when she hears her mother coming, she jumps back into bed but leaves the camera rolling. The camera shows Kira's mother poisoning her lunch with chemicals, and then Kira's father confronts his wife and is able to save the younger daughter. Munchausen by proxy, which is like the weirdest, grossest, scariest, but most fascinating thing. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, yeah, like Gypsy. Everyone knows now because the Gypsy Road Rose story. But did you watch uh, the Hulu series? No. It put me in physical pain. Like it was well done, but I was like, I'm not okay. I the one that's starring. Um, Patricia, Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Yeah. No, I, I've seen like Patricia Arquette is really good but it's just like too upsetting it's too hard to watch but i've seen like documentaries on the story and it's yeah scary. oh yeah there's one on hubbo right oh yeah i've seen that one but Munchausen's yeah fucking crazy 
is gypsy still she's still in prison right yeah i think so care like caretakers need attention so google it everybody yeah google it there's a really funny season of the housewives of real housewives of beverly hills when lisa vanderpump accuses yolanda hadid of having munchausen and it's pretty crazy or maybe lisa rinna does one of the lisas dm me we'll talk (laughs) all you other housewife heads what do you call what do you call yourselves Ah, I don't know if we have a... House and knots. House and knots. Yep, there it is. <laughs> uh, so now Cole's problems are all magically solved, and he is at the school play being accepted by his peers and doing better. He knows he won't see Malcolm anymore, and he tells him to try talking to Anna when she's asleep. Lynn and Cole are in the car in traffic because of a car accident. Cole tells Lynn he's ready to communicate with her. and he, <laughs> the way I'm ready to communicate with you. With you. Okay. Is this AI? Okay. Is this the other? If someone told me that, I would be like, I am no longer ready to communicate with you. <laughs> I can't right now. He says he can tell someone got hurt in the accident because a lady died and is standing right next to his window. He tells her how he sees ghosts and they want him to do things for them and they're the ones that used to hurt him. He also says that grandma says hi and that she's sorry for taking the bumblebee pendant. She visits him sometimes and wants him to tell her she saw her dance. When she was little, she and her mother had a fight right before a dance recital and Lynn thought her mother didn't come to see her, but she did. Lynn finally believes Cole and then they hug. Back at Malcolm's, he finds Anna sleeping at home watching the wedding video again. He says her name and she says she misses him and asks him why he left her and an object clatters to the floor. He sees that it's his wedding band and realizes that he died from Vincent's gunshot. Uh, And then he tells he quickly recovers and (laughs) accepts it and then tells Anna that he thinks he can go now and tells her she was never second and he loves her. And that's the end of the movie. Mercifully. Fiend. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to not like, like this movie still. It's well made. There's some good shots. Uh, yeah, it's well made. Um, the costuming is pretty good. Tony Collette's, all Tony of Collette her outfits. Incredible, for sure. But this movie, talk about fucking fridging women. This movie just has ladies in the fridge left and right. Uh, Grandma? Misha Barton. Grandma's in the fridge. Misha Barton's in the fridge. Uh, the mother of Misha Barton is kind of in the fridge, to be honest with you. Well, she killed her. She wasn't sacrificed. Anna's in the- Anna, well, so, like... I mean, I guess I mean more of, like, as a depiction of a woman. Like, yes, obviously someone that has Munchausen's by proxy is very unwell and not... I don't know if you can say, like, they're not a good person, but that's a complicated existence. Mm -hmm. But the fact that um, M. Night Shyamalan chose to depict, like, one of the only women in this movie as uh, a Munchausen by proxy sufferer is kind of poignant. There's a domestic abuse victim Mm -hmm. uh, who Cole sees in the kitchen. Anna is a grieving widow. Like, there are no empowered self-sufficient women walking around in this movie i think that like lynn is she's a single mom we don't know what happened to cole's dad but it doesn't seem like he's dead seems like he left they got no they got divorced oh they yeah. got divorced okay i don't remember yeah. how many times have i seen this movie uh but so she's like raising him on her own 
but doesn't like isn't fully let in on what's happening with him because Cole won't let her in but it's also kind of her fault like she she won't accept his truce because they're uncomfortable but I think she's like well I think there are also subtle ways that she's demonized for her poorness that are like a little bit less macro like she can't make it to Cole's play Uh, she works two jobs so she can't like pay attention all the time uh, she has to do laundry by herself. Um, she has to do crazy. laundry. Uh, wow. Chores. Yeah. And she does like, there are moments when she's like upset because she doesn't understand what's going on, but she's like still very caring um, and cares a lot about what's happening with her son, but doesn't, doesn't have the tools to like, or the understanding to know that like he needs therapy. Clearly. I wouldn't mind it if Tony Collette was my mom. She's a, a like wonderful Australian actor who we don't deserve. As established in the episode we did last time. Right. She's actually Where Australian. we were talking about her. She also likes camping. That's what I learned in some of my research. She's an avid camper. Very good. Just like other people. I also think, um, yeah, this movie uh, sort of very much adheres to the idea that motherhood should be all-consuming. Right. So... We know that Lynn has presumably a life outside of her motherhood, but it consists of working, working. two jobs to be able to support her child uh, and be having been left by her husband for someone else, right? Like, Right. That's like a defining part of her character is that she's a single mom. It's like that's – we don't know much about – and that she lost her own mother and that – her mother her relationship with her mother was strained in some ways so that her her mother felt like she had to communicate something after her death is how strained their relationship yeah i also think it's worth mentioning that lynn doesn't even get the opportunity to break through to cole cole doesn't trust her uh and i think she tries to be open but i think it's like, the perspective is skewed so that Cole's behavior makes sense to us, but Lynn seems like the unreasonable one right. because she's reacting to what we can see and we have to, like, suspend our belief and remember that she can't see it. But then, of course, a cis, het, white. affluent, white male is who the per- who's the able day. to break through to Cole and save the day, right? Because he's missing a father figure because his mother isn't enough to, like, get him through this trauma. Yeah, and what is contingent on that plot device is that Tony Collette is sort of absent. Tony Collette and Lynn slash Lynn doesn't take her child to a therapist, doesn't understand her child. Like all of these pieces of the puzzle need to be in place so that uh, Bruce Willis can save the day, right? I like it's also weird that I don't know that like why this ghost and why a year later? I don't. I'm confused. Like ghosts seem to come over from all over Philadelphia, the greater South Philadelphia neighborhood, to see him. Right. So, like, why is he the ghost who can communicate? Has no other therapist ever died? Has no other child therapist died in the eleven years that Cole has been alive? I don't know. I believe Cole is nine. Oh, maybe I was. It's because I was looking at the IMDb page, and uh, Haley Joel Osment was. 11 so i just keep assuming that he's 11 sweet angel oh he deserves so much better than what he's been given like 
I think he's, you know, he's doing, doing okay. stuff. I wish, you know, he was in that terrible, awful Ted Bundy movie on Netflix. Oh yeah, what was his part in that? He was like the was he new like boyfriend, the other boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really bad movie. It was. I was. fucking livid after I saw that I was like wow way to paint a fucking serial killer who murdered women and decapitated them and fucked their decapitated heads as like a hot guy who's been put upon like what no okay listen (sighs) I know I've said this before I know I've said this before on this podcast but the fact that he put his dick in a decapitated head came home and put his dick into his girlfriend like she, I don't think I could get over that. You, you that you have to carry that around for like the rest of your life, you know. And now, like she's still alive, and like she has to watch Zac Efron portray this like monster as like a as like a hot guy who really likes bow ties. Like I don't understand. I don't get it. So Haley Joel Osment deserved better than that awful. Yeah, at least he was like the nice boyfriend. But did Zac Efron has he gotten like work? acting work since then I don't because know. he should a, not have taken that, was a that bad job. choice but i mean who am i to say he's a white guy so i'm sure he'll bounce back but like i don't it was bad it was a bad movie is like damaging and also poorly made so i know it was awful man I'm he really just escaped from still. jail though god love him <sighs> I, the 70s. I swear to God, 70s. you could just hijack a plane. You could escape from jail. What couldn't you, you just do? just disappear. You can't disappear now. It's too much facial recognition. I don't know. I know. Where do you go? Where is uh, Leoness? You know, the guy who murdered his whole family in France and then just hasn't been seen? Oh, my God. Where is he? Right. Like, where is he? Unless he How really did. How did he fully just escape through the Alps with no trace? Like, right. what the fuck? He, I don't, like, yeah, no body was ever recovered. That's, that's wild. Because, like, that's impressive. Kind if of. you haven't seen Unsolved Mysteries, you know, I know that the old Unsolved Mysteries is really fun. But the but new one is good, too. The new one is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just be prepared to be disappointed because they are unsolved yeah like you watch a show and you're like god damn it i'm some pissed. of them i was like maybe this one they'll have an answer too right. but no they're unsolved there's a weird yeah. hole in the roof and no one knows why like why can't we figure this out Fucking guys weird, come on man. that one was crazy yeah. i don't know well that's not really what we're here to talk about anyway i don't know Haley, y'all Haley, uh i wish that the media didn't fat shame you for being uh 10 pounds a normal human person yeah 10 pounds over like what is an acceptable weight for a grown man like that's bullshit he's a cutie he's so cute his blonde hair and his big beard adorable i'd fuck him he's actually kind of like a caucasian blonde version of caesar that's true uh yeah i like you know he's cute i like a beard cutie i like a i I like like a beard too i like a beard and a belly um, so, yeah, this movie is also very classic. God. Um, That's, a, like, the depiction of poor people. That's not what poor people... I don't, like... Maybe she's in a lot it's of credit card It's also especially debt, insulting because they're, like, poor people that aren't actually experiencing poverty. Like, they seem... Like, all we know is that she works two jobs, but otherwise there are markers of, like, security and affluence around them in their home, their furniture... The way she dresses, like, they're well taken care of, they're well fed. So it's, like, shaming poor people without actually fairly depicting poor people, which is pretty disgusting. It's also, yeah, like, a white woman 
who has to work yeah, two jobs a very is like how beautiful straight sized white woman woman yeah exactly like i don't know yeah it's like how she has to work two jobs so it's the worst thing that's ever happened which is true like like capitalism sucks and working she two jobs have to does two jobs. blow chunks but it isn't a character flaw right you know? <laughs> i work two um, jobs thank you very much but i like i had the most jobs i've ever had at one time is four that's disgusting. Like I probably like. I think I probably have tapped out at three because four is too much. It, four, like, it was a lot. Scary. I was tired, but um, I did do it. I'm tired now with one. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, one plus a podcast. Yeah, isn't this the job? Technically, I have three. Then, does my Etsy shop count? I have four. Oh my god! I have an Etsy shop too. Yeah. Um. So. Oh my god. So, yeah, I would say that because this was so widely consumed uh, and it presents poverty as a mor- moral failing and it also kind of frames poverty as part of what's led to Lynn's difficulties with coal. It's like even though this child has a supernatural gift, somehow it's still Lynn's fault that he's like suffering and right. experiencing difficulty at school and in his like personal relationships. And I think... It's super damaging and super irresponsible to depict uh, poor people this way because poor people didn't do anything wrong to be poor. Uh, also, it's not a moral or like character failing to become poor right. uh, or to be born into poverty. It's capitalism. So, That's the fucking. It's capitalism. You're not, a, you're not a billionaire and you never will be. So, yeah. Framing like affluent white people like Anna, who owns a fucking antique store, and Malcolm, both white, both upper class, as the sort of like saviors, and then depicting Lynn as someone who's like failed her child, but is able to be like granted the second chance through the kind of like kindness of Malcolm is disgusting. You're disgusting, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I it also like just really paints into like. Is that maybe Lynn can afford a therapist? Like healthcare isn't accessible to everyone. <clears throat> Me, so like I, so it's not her. It's also not her fault. Like that she's poor. Like yeah. she can't afford a therapist, so she can't afford help for her child, who may be mm-hmm. experiencing like the onset of schizophrenia. Like she's, she's in trouble. And thank goodness that this white male child therapist came along. Yeah, no one wanted to have to resort to a ghost therapist here, okay? This is so not Lynn's fault. Yeah. Uh, And he lives in this, like, huge, beautiful house on a nice 52 Locust Street with a wine cellar and, like, multiple bedrooms. Also, the hospital demonizes Lynn because she is saying, like, something happened to my child and you're not helping me understand what it is. Uh, And it's very, like, they're very quick to place blame on her for his like physical ailments but also he was assaulted by some children so that kind of explains it to be honest with you right he was like they don't know the situation because their parents weren't around but like those are all those are rich kids exactly so they are not at fault (sighs) and yeah like the like mate how much is that hospital visit gonna cost her like a lot that's why she couldn't take off for the play because she had to work she also, yeah. like, we don't even get to know what she does. Like, it's just very vague. Like, you know, I have two jobs. Like, what is she? That's not even, like, we don't get anything about her except for that she's lost her mother and she's a struggling single mom. That's. 
Yeah, and that she had a tense relationship with her mother, which is not an original thing to depict on screen if you don't have, like, something more nuanced to add to it. Like, oh, Grandma was so proud of you. Like, okay, I did cry, but, I mean, that's doesn't... What don't you cry at? A lot, yeah, I don't know. Nothing, it's true. I mean, the mother-daughter relationships here are toxic, um... Difficult at best, Munchausen by proxy at worst, and all redeeming characters that are male, right? So, um, the dad Lynn is only Lynn is only redeemable through the actions of Malcolm, and then by proxy Cole, and then otherwise she's powerless and you know in the midst of a difficult situation that M Night Shyamalan makes us kind of believe is of her own making. It's also, like, even the only, like, the only father figure who isn't depicted in, like, this heroic light isn't even seen on screen. And he's not demonized for not being there for his child. Like, he just gets to, like, yeah, he's just wash not his hands there. clean of it. Right. And Lynn gets to take the brunt of, like... Also, mental health is re- it's really it's a scary, problematic idea to be like, it's not schizophrenia, he can see ghosts. Like, that's not... That doesn't seem... Uh, helpful at all uh, to people who are like who do have a child who's maybe experiencing the onset of mental illness or like who are going through it themselves like oh maybe I'm just seeing ghosts like I don't this doesn't seem helpful (sighs) also the fact that like you shouldn't be able to go on antidepressants after the sudden and traumatic loss of your husband without like it being a cause for concern is kind of Sticky, like, this, like big red yeah. scary pills or like Zoloft, like that's the depression demon. Like what? No, <laughs> you do sound like the depression demon. I am. I that's my hello nickname. darkness, my old friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. And then yeah, Anna is like she's being haunted by the ghost of her husband so that she can't properly move on and like have sex with this young hot thing at work whenever she wants. He's really hot. Yeah. He obviously likes her. Yeah. Um, you know, she's in a position of power, which is cool. Like she would definitely have like the agency to do what she wanted in that relationship. Whereas it seems like she's just been like guilty strung along (laughs) uh, throughout her marriage with Malcolm in pursuit of his career, which was like, prioritized over her and her career yeah so yeah i I stand sean uh they should get some good fucking in on like an antique couch you know i don't know antique couches are kind of uncomfortable it's true uh i I feel bad for anna i feel like she she exists as many of the women in this movie she's i can can see her being fridged you know like she's her life and her wants are she's like this close to being fridged right she might as well like die at the end of the movie so that her and malcolm could be together like that's like almost where we're headed to yeah and she's only let go by malcolm's like self-actualization and understanding she has no power to free herself from the toxic situation because all of the agency is in Malcolm's hands. So when he decides it's cool to be a ghost, then she finally can, like, keep living her life. Otherwise, his his ghostly form is going to keep throwing bricks at her work window. Uh, she had to pay for that, Malcolm. Yeah. I hope You're she not got alive a lot anymore. from your life insurance policy for her sake. Also, yeah, same here. Bruce Willis is bad. I love Die Hard. It's one of my favorite movies ever, probably. 
top five. Is he like a bad man IRL? I don't know anything uh, yeah, about him. Yeah, he's a conservative Republican. Bummer. Bummer. Wow, M. Night Shyamalan loves white supremacists. Uh, he is obsessed with Bruce Willis. I don't I don't understand. And like what I was reading that like some like 20 years later looking back on like the first time he got drunk cuz this movie premiered on his 29th birthday. So the first Bruce Willis is 29th birthday. <laughs> no, uh, M Night Shyamalan's 29th birthday. <laughs> and the first time he got drunk was during the filming of this with Bruce Willis. He used to DJ at some clubs. Disgusting. Uh, yeah. So ew, to the max. <laughs> so they have like this weird relationship, and pretty much everyone else who's ever worked with Bruce Willis hated it. So I don't get. Really. I don't get it. Also, why can't I'm on Bruce Willis is. I am uh, in Wikipedia. Wikipedia. It's not like a great situation. Yeah. Um, also, like he can, he never casts. He only ever casts like white men in his like leading roles, even though he's. In- oh no! In 2006, Bruce Willis said that the United States should intervene more in Colombia in order to end drug trafficking. Yeah. Ah! Ah! Um. Yeah, and then he like, let like. Pr- made some comment that he would pay bounty for Osama bin Laden's head and Saddam Hussein and like just all this really like toxic American nationalist white supremacist ideas of what's going on it in seems our international like foreign policy I don't yeah he's very conservative in foreign policy but it feels like maybe on uh, fiscal conservatism he's melding into a libertarian ideology which is not great either so it's a no for me it's a no for me dog um so i just it's ruined die hard with a vengeance for me which is a beautiful piece of cinema i mean no i'll still watch it he still he still has hair in that movie, right? Yeah, so it was long enough. Let's just think of, like, ago. hair Bruce Willis is good, bald Bruce Willis is bad. <laughs> uh, but you can't trust anybody, except for Haley Joel Osment, who is really concerned about the environment. Yeah, and he uh, also was, I think, a writer, and he was on Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, which, show. as you know, is one of my faves. So we're, this is a Haley Joel Osment stan podcast. Honestly. We do not stan... Mel Gibson or Bruce Willis, which why? Why would you? Why are you in movies made by a brown man? Why is he talking to you? I don't like I don't I know that you don't have to only represent yourself when like writing and directing and like creating movies. And but stuff, he's but not like, representing anyone but white people. Yeah. Which are white men Always. are already overrepresented in media. Like we don't need more of it. Like, you know, he put Paul Giamatti in there. Literally every fucking Mark Wahlberg was in The Happening. That's a really bad movie. Oh, God, it's bad. Um, And yeah, there's like... I think that... um, He plays... I was going to say he plays the only Indian person in this movie. Oh, yeah, right? Wait, no, but there's also the couple. Oh, the couple, right. But then the couple is like... They are sort of like characterized as... Unhappy. You know, like unhappy extraordinarily wealthy like they have some very racist coding Mm -hmm. uh which is gross but it's sort of the same thing i think we've talked about when we were complaining about the evil dead i think which is um why can't like you don't have to 
change the landscape of the movie to just put actors of color in it right like it doesn't have to be a black horror movie it can just be a horror movie that has equitable casting right like why is this such a difficult hurdle to overcome you know right yeah like why can't the lead it could be bruce well it could be the same character that bruce willis plays but not played by a white guy like what's so wrong with that But then I guess we get into a sticky situation, especially when we talk about M. Night Shyamalan, which is like, well, are we expecting more out of a director of color than we're expecting out of a white director? (laughs) Which is not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Yeah. Uh, But then I also like, do you have to uphold the tenets of white supremacy? No. Why don't you have more sympathy? But on the other hand, he is a person of color that has found a way to benefit from white supremacy. Right. Yeah. So And then it's that's also like a white supremacist thought is like and white forgiveness is like us being like, Well, white people are stupid idiots, so we have to hold black and brown people to a higher standard because they know better exactly. and they're smarter. Which is true, but like you they should be forgiven but, for like, their brown people also have the right to manipulate the system. Brown and black people have the right to manipulate the system and benefit from white supremacy if they can figure out a way to. They don't have to have a moral high ground because <laughs> they are constantly oppressed by white right. supremacy. So if they find a way to override it, I say fucking go for it. And yeah, that happens at the expense of other marginalized groups in some cases. But the responsibility is not on a marginalized person to fight for like somebody else. Because it's exhausting. And like relieve them of marginalization. It's our job as white people to do that. Right. And then also like how much does a director, like a very young director, have over the casting in general. Like I'm sure the studio, Fair. which is Disney Especially when this got bounced around so much. Yeah, exactly. Bruce Willis had a three uh movie contract deal with Disney and this is one of his contracts that he had to What do. were the other two? Um the kid. Do you remember that one? He like was no. wearing a really bad wig and he was like with like a a slightly overweight child. So he like it was oh, it's like funny. a funny comedy. Yeah. Um, and so... Fat kids are hilarious. They're always the funny ones. Right. Hey. I don't really remember what the story was. And then the other one was um, like a movie that bombed hard that I can't... I never saw and I don't remember the name of, but... Nice. Nice. The 90s were wild. I feel like I do... I know I was like joking texting you like i was robbed but i truly miss like so many horror milestones when i was trapped in a religious household in the 90s and early 2000s right and then here i was like being forced to watch signs over and over again because i because i was outvoted so i had to watch signs a million times you know what that was kind of a stinker too (laughs) yeah i talk about mel gibson joaquin phoenix i don't want to he's a bad man poor um was Bryce Dallas Howard in that one too? She's all no, over the place. No, she's in Lady in the Water. But what is and um, the the village? Right? The the little girl. Oh my god, who is in? Um, who's also with Tony Collette in Little Miss Sunshine? What's her name? Oh, uh, I want to say Abigail. Something. Abigail Breslin. Yeah, her. She is in Signs. I wonder what she's up to. She's a good actress. They made actress, her wear me. like a fat suit in Little Miss Sunshine. Did you know that? They made her wear a belly, no. a padded belly. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> like just let a, a kid's body be look the way it how looks. it is. It's like, but it's like yeah. a plot point that she's fatter than the other Got beauty queens, so it's bad. I don't know. That movie's pretty toxic. I do love it though. I love. I, I haven't love, seen it in a long love time. Actually, Little Miss Sunshine. I love Tony Collette. We support you in all you choose to do. Truly. Uh, United States of Terror was like, maybe I can't watch it now, but uh, it was like. It's really hard for me to watch because my mom was mentally ill. Like yeah. it kind of like, like too like, close to home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but John Corbett, I mean, speaking of sexy daddies. Come on. Whoo, come on. <laughs> I watched uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding the other day. And I was like, this is it still funny? This movie is so weird. It's like weirder than I remember it. And they like get married so fast. Like how how long have you guys been dating? I mean, do what you want. But yeah, okay. Also kind of like damaging beauty ideals because she glows up and gets a husband. Oops. Oops. (laughs) She she does it with her own agency. I I like I was like, okay, I'm sort of okay with this because she doesn't like meet John. She goes to computer school. (laughs) She doesn't like she like meets John Corbett and then feels bad about herself and then like gets hotter. So it is kind of damaging. But she he doesn't reject her or anything. He's like she just like. Wants yeah. to get him, so she wants to like figure out how. I think I kind of want to watch it. Pretty, it's on Joey, HBO. Joey Fatone alert! <laughs> right, he's my favorite character. My favorite character. Maybe Adam will watch it with favorite in sync band member for sure. It was the red frosted tips for me that did it. Oh yeah! When I was, do you want to say anything else about the thick fence? <laughs> the thick fence. I. I don't know what else to say. Just, I feel like that was kind of ableist. I'm sorry, guys. It's just hard to say. I think, like... It, it is truly hard to say, but I didn't mean the to. The whistling and the gap in my teeth is, The like, sixth ri- sense. Sixth sense. Um, I never mean to perpetrate ableism, but I do it sometimes because I'm stupid and I'm trying harder. When the ghost is speaking Spanish, I was like, mm, this feels a little racist, but I'm just going to keep going with my life. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie is racist by virtue of it it's has lack no of, of color There is in one it. black yeah. woman who doesn't even really appear on screen. She's a, she appears in a recording of a video from their wedding. And I'm oh, not even yeah. sure she gets a name. Troubling. And she's like, she's like drunk and using AAVE. And it's sort of like supposed to be like. Oh, crazy drunk black friend. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it's it? It's bad. Yeah, and she's um the only black person who gets a line in the movie. Are none of these ghosts black? Um weird. Yeah, they're right? in Philadelphia. So, um they're There are a lot of people of color in Philadelphia. This is a problem. There's also I have problems. There's a problem. There's a TikTok that I saw. I feel like I might have sent it to you or we talked about it, but it's like if uh, if ghosts could kill people or hurt people, there would be no there would white be no people. white people. Yeah, that's um, so true. Yeah, it, the enslaved would have um, murdered them, rightfully so. So, you know what? And does this is just a tip if anyone is struggling with this? Because I recently realized I'm not supposed to say slaves. You're supposed to say enslaved people because saying slaves breaks down the identities that these people had in their former life. Uh, and I realized it's like really problematic. So just a tip if anyone is still using the word slave because I was until recently. Uh, language is important. We talked about it before. Um, but yeah, so... They were they were people. They weren't um, like just 
they were not one identity. Right. They were not. They were yeah, hostages. It wasn't um, in a hostage situation and yeah, and they tortured still are <laughs> victims. I don't. Their and their yeah descendants still are hostages and torture victims in the system of capitalism. So bear in mind that we're all still complicit, and we need to undo white supremacy and break down these systems of oppression. And uh, I guess starting by watching The Sixth Sense and examining it critically is somewhere to start, but it doesn't seem that productive. But that's what we chose to do. So I don't know. Don't don't add us. Media is really important, right? It's like me trying to understand why um, conservatives and even left-wing people don't understand the things that I see is like people are brainwashed really easily and like the media and the news that you consume has a big part of like you understanding who you are who you are in comparison to the rest of the world so like media is important and we can't take it all at face value it's microaggressions right because seeing like anna in this movie be kind of like dismissed and demonized for taking antidepressants is a microaggression and that also presumes that you can only experience depression and it's only acceptable to experience depression if you've experienced some kind of trauma which isn't true because depression is a disease that makes your brain not function the way that like neurotypical people's brains function so that is dangerous and damaging coding and that kind of shit is all over the movies we talk about, right? Right. Is that like these subtle undertones have led to like some serious problems in our society that we're still um, unwilling or unable to deal with, like reparations, like women yeah. being in control of their own bodies, you know, like indigenous rights and land ownership. It's um, it's a problem. And, like, the right of indigenous women to have their murderers and rapists held accountable, which they don't currently have. Or just, like, investigated at all or, like, cared about at all. I don't – it's – yeah. It's – yeah, like, you turn a whole entire group and race into a cartoon character and a stereotype, and then when they start to go missing, no one cares. It's sad. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I know I bitched about this to you via text, but I love Last Podcast on the Left. Like, that's a lot of the what brought us together and, like, gave us the inspiration to do this podcast. And, like, they've been a staple in our friendship and, like, in my life for a long time. And the fact that they did a three-part series on Alcatraz and didn't mention the indigenous occupation of Alcatraz, which was, like, a great example of community care mutual aid and like what kind of future could be possible in this country without capitalism is pretty abhorrent like you're not even going to mention that it happened like you're not even going to say one sentence they also did like yeah it's like i don't know it's it's because i don't know like how much are we going to continue to keep apologizing for white men it's like at what point i know okay i honestly think i like, I think I have to stop listening to them. And I love them. I don't want to stop listening to them. They have such a huge platform. And I know they could do better, but they just keep not doing better. And it sucks. Right. I don't know. A lot of the things that I love uh, are made by white guys who should be doing better um, or should have done better. And it's upsetting to me. Like, yeah, I love mall rats. 
but it's a bad movie that depicts women really horribly and like it's yeah, also yeah. Kevin Smith only uh, cast white people until cop out when he forced uh, Tracy Morgan to stand next to Bruce Willis so like it's not I don't know it's not okay also he made the movie Tusk which is a blight on our society because you hate it and it scared you I hate it uh, it disgusted me yeah I'm a disgusted person but um, that's a bummer what are we gonna? F- yeah, so go to go to landback.org if you are um, curious about the sort of like indigenous movement to reclaim land and food sovereignty and land sovereignty in this stolen land that we live on. Uh, fuck colonization uh, and fuck how many missing and murdered indigenous women continue to uh, go like occur go missing get killed in this country without accountability fuck bruce willis fuck, fuck mel bruce gibson willis. um uh fuck white supremacy i hope fuck Haley mental stigma. is getting fucked in a nice way by somebody that he likes should we just keep like tagging him in photos yes and see if until we can he notices us. us um we love you yeah fuck um yeah stigmas around mental health those mental health issues um fuck like demonizing single parents and single mothers and only depicting like single parent households as run by women who can't handle it and fuck poverty porn okay okay Okay. fuck each other in a nice way fuck each other in a nice way and we have to go figure out what we're gonna cover for y'all next week and the week after and the week after that I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? Uh, we really need to start banking episodes because we're squeezing. We did it at the beginning. Right I know, but then I know we were so on top of it at the beginning. Uh, life is rough out here. It really is. But we're going to the Grand Canyon. It's true. So we're gonna take a whole week off. Just kidding. We'll we'll bank episodes for that. <laughs> we'll we'll probably release something. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.